Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to CBS News Roundup ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Coming up, U.S. officials meet with Mexico's president over an increase in migrants. The federal government must take responsibility and lead on this humanitarian crisis. Hostages still languishing amid the Israel-Hamas war. We demand bring them back home. Any means. In the Kaleidoscope with Allison Key segment, the nation's children and food insecurity. Where you don't see hunger, you may think that it does not exist. But this issue is real. I'm Allison Keyes in Washington with part two of a special edition of the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Before we look back in 2023, an update on illegal immigration as the Biden administration meets with Mexico's president to discuss the root cause of the problem. This as Texas continues sending migrants to Democrat-led cities, including New York, where leaders say it's draining resources. CBS's Astrid Martinez. Buses are still rolling into New York City after U.S. officials met with Mexico's president, promising to work together to limit record migration. Leslie Hernandez and her family are from Colombia and arrived in New York City by bus. She told CBS News, we do what we can and we have to make sacrifices for a better future. New York City Mayor Eric Adams signed a new executive order to hold charter bus companies accountable. We cannot allow buses with people needing our help to arrive without warning at any hour of day and night. The order requires bus companies give a 32-hour notice before coming, drop off migrants at designated locations and times, or face impounding and fines. Power Malu greets migrants as they arrive and says the mayor's new executive order is causing chaos among advocacy groups. And so what happens is we're tasked with people coming to us, asking us for services. I call this fabricated chaos. New York City saw nearly 15,000 new arrivals this month. But it's not alone. Close to 2,000 in Chicago and 5,000 in Denver. We have to look at dramatically reducing the amount of services we offered or dramatically cutting our city budgets. But the Biden administration says it has provided more than $1 billion in grant funding for cities and towns hosting recently arrived migrants. And I think the U.S. is pitching that this is a regional problem, not just a United States problem, that we need to work together on this and that there are investments that we're prepared to make. CBS News has learned that migrant crossings reached a record high in December. U.S. border agents took into custody more than 225,000 migrants at the southern border in the first 27 days of December. Astrid Martinez, CBS News, New York. A look back now at the top national headlines from 2023. 
Fast-moving flames devastated Maui in August, killing at least 97, making it America's deadliest wildfire in a hundred years. We've been pulling people out since last night. Smoke from Canadian wildfires turned the skyline orange along the east coast in June and impacted air quality as far as the Midwest. Extreme weather brought blizzard conditions and a tropical storm to Southern California, made the annual Burning Man Festival in the Nevada desert a muddy mess, and baked Phoenix, Arizona for 31 days with highs 110 degrees or above. The Israel-Hamas war led to protests across the country, with the FBI director warning of unprecedented terror threats amid the conflict. The threat level has gone to a whole nother level since October 7th. Tensions rose to a fever pitch on college campuses, and the president of the University of Pennsylvania resigned following her testimony at a House hearing on anti-Semitism. Protesters demanded justice for Tyree Nichols, who died after a violent encounter with Memphis police officers. Gun violence surged in 2023. The year started with two deadly mass shootings in California and a first grader who shot his teacher in Virginia. A six-year-old. It is unprecedented. Michigan State University and UNLV both experienced deadly shootings on campus, while three nine-year-olds were among those killed at a Nashville elementary school. Mass shootings took more lives at a bowling alley in Maine, a bank in Kentucky, and a Dollar General store in Florida. The U.S. Coast Guard led the search for five people on board a submersible headed to the Titanic wreck. Their trip ended in tragedy. A series of summer shark sightings kept beachgoers on edge. New York police made an arrest in the string of unsolved killings on Long Island known as the Gilgo Beach murders. There was also an arrest in another high-profile cold case, the 1996 murder of hip-hop star Tupac Shakur. I'm innocent. And it took a jury less than three hours to convict disgraced South Carolina attorney Alex Murdoch for the murders of his wife and son. A toxic train derailment near the Ohio-Pennsylvania border forced communities to evacuate. Astonishing pass! The man Time magazine calls the greatest living soccer player moved to the U.S. joining Inter-Miami. Lionel Messi sold out games and helped the last place team win the League's Cup, its first major trophy. Bradley Blackburn, CBS News, New York. In Minnesota, an unlikely visitor makes some new friends among seniors. WCCO-TV's John Lauritsen. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Should be fun. A new perspective, senior living. We're expecting a fun surprise animal. A packed crowd welcomed not a therapy dog. Hello. But a therapy donkey. Tiptoe is two years old, so he's a little toddler. We still call him a baby. A 250-pound baby, to be exact. Instead of having a lap dog, you could have a lap donkey. There you go. (laughs) Tiptoe, also known as Tippy, makes the rounds every so often. Do you want to touch him? His handler, Tabea Brockman, says he welcomes the love. He wants a hug. (laughs) After a rough start in life. His mom decided she doesn't want to be a mom, and she stomped him. Um... So he was, in the, he was in the ICU for a while. He's just a little miracle donkey, so now he's giving back. And they also believe that his visits help people struggling with memory loss. Hi. We got tears. We had people talking that didn't talk for a long time. Giving them that opportunity to see an animal like this come to where they live in our community. You're getting a hug. <laughs> it's just amazing. We've had dogs, we've had cats, we've had volunteers. We've never had a donkey. Even though he hops out of the trailer, 
he needs a little help getting back in. When visiting time is over, Tiptoe comes back here to his stable in Hamel, but his day isn't quite over. Tiptoe is basically his eyes. He's running around with this little bell here and so Ty can follow. He's right there. Tiptoe is also a seeing eye donkey for a blind 10-year-old horse named Ty Ty. In a sense, he keeps the horse out of harm's way. You can tell if the weather gets really bad, he will push him in the lean-to, which is over there. All in a day's work for this little fella. It's very special to see the smiles and the old people just being happy. He likes kisses, too. Wondering how to keep those tricky New Year's resolutions? It seems there are ways to make that happen. Don't be too hard on yourself with those New Year's resolutions. Setting a goal is easy, but then actually achieving that goal is much more complicated. A family therapist says to skip those strict goals and set easier ones, like exercising for 20 minutes per day instead of going on a crash diet. If you want to be more positive, plan an activity you enjoy for 10 minutes a day. And don't confine yourself to strict time limits. You don't have to start on January 1st. Jen Clark, CBS News. Coming up, more on the Israel-Hamas war. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. We're looking back at 2023, a year full of climate worries, but dominated by two wars decimating civilians in Ukraine and in Gaza, where people are starving and drinking dirty water amid the Israel-Hamas war. War rages in Gaza after Hamas launched an October 7th massacre in southern Israel, killing more than 1,200 Israelis and taking hundreds hostage. We want us back home now. A temporary ceasefire in November saw the release of more than 100 hostages in exchange for more than 200 Palestinian prisoners from Israeli jails. Gaza's Hamas-run health ministry says more than 20,000 Palestinians have died in the war. Ukraine launched its much-anticipated summer offensive against Russia. The goal was to retake large swaths of territory, but after months of fighting and little gain, winter is setting in, and so is a stalemate. Massive earthquakes devastated regions in southeastern Turkey and northern Syria in February, killing more than 50,000 people. The climate crisis drove extreme weather around the globe, pushing up temperatures and delivering the world's hottest summer on record in 2023. Relations between China and the U.S. deteriorated when a suspected Chinese spy balloon was shot down over U.S. airspace. Months later, President Biden held a rare meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping in California, where the pair pledged to resume military communications. Five Americans were freed from Iran in a prisoner swap that included the U.S. releasing five detained Iranians and unfreezing $6 billion in oil funds. 
U.S. Army Private Travis King was charged with desertion after dashing across the border to North Korea from the south while with a tour group. Pope Francis began the year celebrating the funeral mass for his predecessor, Pope Benedict XVI, becoming the first sitting pope to preside over the funeral of a retired pontiff in church history. And a crowning moment for Britain's King Charles III, who waited 70 years to take the throne. Huge crowds packed the streets for the lavish coronation to honor the king and his wife, Queen Camilla. Tina Krause, CBS News, London. A somber anniversary this week for an American who's been held in the Kremlin for five years, even though Secretary of State Antony Blinken has promised not to rest until retired Marine Paul Whelan comes home. WTOP reporter J.J. Green explains. When Paul Whelan was arrested, the Russian government asked President Trump to trade convicted foreign agent Maria Butina, convicted arms dealer Victor Boot, and convicted drug smuggler Konstantin Yaroshenko for Whelan. He refused. Once President Biden took over, the same requests were made. But by that time, Trevor Reed and Brittany Griner were in the mix, and he said the Russians decided to change strategies. And the Russians decided, well, we'll work out deals, you know, with these two lower-level cases, and we'll ask for more for uh, Paul. He says the Russians are continually changing their request. That's why he's urging President Biden to bring him home soon, before the price goes up again. J.J. Green for CBS News, Washington. Turning now to travel as people prepare to brave crazy weather to hit the roads and airways for New Year's Eve or head back home. It's been a busy 2023, as we hear from CBS's travel editor. This is Peter Greenberg. 2023 was one wild and bumpy year in travel for passengers, but a record profit year for airlines and most hotels. 2023 was also a year of consolidation. JetBlue poised to merge with Spirit, and Alaska Airlines about to buy Hawaiian Airlines. But travel to Hawaii was hurt by the tragic Maui fires in August, and travel flatlined to Israel and the Middle East. At the same time, a number of new destination hotspots around the world. The Antarctic, Iceland, Turkey, and Saudi Arabia. While a growing number of Americans paid for their travels with plastic, consumer credit card debt stands at more than $1.3 trillion. But there may be some good news for any of us with some money left over. As demand starts to soften, average airfares could drop by 24% to welcome in 2024. Peter Greenberg, Travel Editor, CBS News. It's been warmer than usual in some parts of the nation over the past week, and it's causing problems. Warmer weather may be pleasant this time of the year, but it's not so hot for the country's lakes. In Minnesota, ice houses that were set up are getting torn down. And one group that fishes items that have fallen through the ice is particularly busy right now. Tri-State Diving in Detroit Lakes is warning residents to clear items from the ice or they will sink. The business has rescued a four-wheeler and multiple fish houses over the past week. It's dangerous work with ice cracking around employees as they move items off the ice. Wendy Gillette, CBS News. And people seem to be coughing and sneezing everywhere. KCBS's Lauren Posen. (coughs) More and more people are coming down with some sort of respiratory illness. Doctors say there's a couple reasons why. It starts with the time of year. It's wintertime. Most of us are indoors where we're in close proximity to other people. There's a lot of times where we are gathering with large groups, Christmas time, 
New Year's time. That means more chances to catch something. I wouldn't say that the the strains of of COVID or flu are any stronger than usual. They're all terrible. They they can make you feel just awful. They can lead to infections that are so severe that you wind up in the hospital. The latest numbers from the LA County Department of Public Health show a rise across the board. For the week ending December 16th, the number of positive COVID cases are up 11%. That's up 10% from the week before. 18% of tests are coming back positive for the flu, up 14% from the week before. The only slight decrease is in respiratory illnesses, but not by much, with 12.3% of people testing positive compared to 12.5% the week before. Over at Elements Pharmacy in Studio City, pharmacists are filling scripts left and right. We are seeing lots of prescriptions for uh, antibiotics, for antivirals. Uh, we have seen more uh, prescriptions for Paxlovid, which is the antiviral for COVID. Doctors say staying germ-free is a challenge, but you can lower your chances of getting sick. If you are at high risk, I highly recommend that you wear a mask. Make sure you keep your hands clean. Don't touch your eyes or your nose. That's how you catch it. The population will reach nearly 33 million by the end of the year. America's population grew by more than 1.75 million this year, an increase of about one half of 1%. The greatest increase has been in the South, followed by the West with smaller growth in the Midwest and Northeast. The Census Bureau says there is one birth every nine seconds in this country and one death every 9.5 seconds. International migration adds one person to the U.S. population every 28 seconds. The U.S is the third most populous country in the world, behind China and India. Indonesia and Pakistan round out the top five. Christopher Cruz, CBS News, Washington. Coming up, a look back at the year in business. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. We're looking back this week at some of the big headlines of the past year, including those in business. CBS's Jared Hill. Elizabeth Holmes entered a federal prison in Texas to begin her 11-year sentence for fraud. It was a stunning downfall for the woman who founded Theranos, promising to revolutionize health care. Once the star of the cryptocurrency world, Sam Bankman-Fried, had his day in court, the founder of the FTX exchange was convicted of seven counts of fraud and conspiracy and could face decades in prison. It's a warning to every single fraudster out there who thinks that they're untouchable. To cool inflation, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates to the highest level in more than two decades. The rate hikes contributed to the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank in March, one of the biggest bank failures in U.S. history. Days later, Signature Bank went under, and in May, First Republic. I'm angry at the economy and at the people that ran and drew their money out. Rate hikes also hurt the housing market. A 30-year mortgage soared past 8% in the fall, driving buyers to the sidelines. Anticipating the end of rate hikes, the stock market climbed higher. By early December, the S&P 500 was up 20% for the year. Labor flexed its muscle with strikes from Hollywood to healthcare to the UAW. The big three automakers agreed to hefty wage increases to end a six-week walkout. It's definitely going to be life-changing for the people. Some big-name bankruptcies in 2023. Rite Aid and Bed Bath & Beyond filed for Chapter 11, and WeWork's bankruptcy continued the downward spiral for what had been one of the world's most valuable startups. 
Fox News faced consequences for pushing lies of a stolen 2020 election. The media company agreed to pay nearly $800 million to settle a defamation lawsuit filed by Dominion Voting Systems. Stores hired extra security for holiday shopping after a wave of brazen robberies were caught on tape. Target closed stores in four states, saying the crime wave was jeopardizing safety. Twitter became X, and hundreds of advertisers pulled out after owner Elon Musk agreed with an anti-Semitic post. He said the boycott would eventually bankrupt the company. I got some Bud Lights for us. Bud Light also faced a boycott after a transgender influencer promoted the beer on Instagram. Right-wing media triggered the backlash, causing Bud Light's sales to slump. The AI company that released ChatGPT to the public had some drama in the C-suite. The board of OpenAI fired chief executive Sam Altman. Nearly the entire staff threatened to leave if he wasn't rehired. Within days, that's exactly what happened. Sports fans had a bunch to cheer about and some drama. Just hope that he's going to be okay. Buffalo Bills safety Jamar Hamlin collapsed and recovered from cardiac arrest. Down goes Rodgers. QB Aaron Rodgers made a painful debut with the Jets. Good morning, guys. Seven-time champ Tom Brady made a big announcement. I'm retiring. For good. And the Kelseys showed their brotherly love at the Super Bowl when Philly took on Kansas City. Go celebrate. Go celebrate. The Chiefs won, and it was the most watched broadcast in modern TV history. A lot of title first. The Vegas Golden Knights got their first Stanley Cup. It's over. The Denver Nuggets, their first NBA championship. And the Texas Rangers scored their first World Series title. Major League Baseball also started using a pitch clock. Games are now 30 minutes shorter. The PGA and Liv announced their merging. Spain wins the World Cup. Spain's soccer chief resigned after kissing a women's World Cup champ. Lionel Andres Messi. And Lionel Messi made a huge splash in Miami. Monica Ricks, CBS News. We have an update now on a year-long CBS News investigation as a Pentagon official tells us that the military has started reviewing the discharge papers of veterans who were kicked out over their sexual orientation. On the very same day the Pentagon announced it was taking steps to help LGBTQ veterans. DOD will, for the first time, begin proactively reviewing the military records of veterans discharged because of their sexual orientation. Donnie Ray Allen, a Marine Corps vet, was taking a huge step of his own. What's up, beautiful people? I just thought on the anniversary of the appeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell that I would inform you guys that today I registered for my first ever college courses. A dream he gave up in 1998 when he was kicked out of the military during Don't Ask, Don't Tell, the policy banning gay and lesbian troops from serving openly. We first sat down with Alan last year. It's like if you... Put your hand on your hip. If you sit with your legs crossed, like it was always like the witch hunt was always around no matter what during those times in the military. Since then, we've followed Donnie Ray Allen's pursuit of a discharge upgrade. So right now I am a honorably discharged United States Marine corporal. And with it, those life-changing benefits. Could you be doing what you're doing now with your life? Could you have gone back to school no. Without the GI Bill? No, absolutely not. CBS News spent months documenting the impact of having an other-than-honorable discharge. It hurt because my country's telling me I'm not good enough to serve because of who I love, not because of anything else, just because of who I love. 
Just last month, Alan's friend Amy Long got word her honorable discharge came through. Alan spoke for her and thousands of others. It made me proud to be like an American in a sense that actually finally our government is like looking at us and being like, you are a valid reason for us to do this. How long had it been since you felt that kind of pride? I graduated boot camp June of 1994. That would probably be the last time. Jim Axelrod, CBS News, Charleston, South Carolina. Now for surprising news about the power of pineapple, which is being used in a cream to treat victims of severe burns. An indescribable nightmare, says Charles Garrison, a disabled man who was burned at his backyard fire pit. The gas came out and hit my leg and I went up like a torch. Just one month later, he's healing without any of the surgery or skin grafting that's been the standard of deep burn care for decades. Looks like you had a lot of good healing going on. Thanks to a novel new treatment recently FDA approved. Stony Brook Medicine doctors call it a game changer. Garrison among the first in the nation to be treated with a cream derived from the stems and core of pineapples called Nexobrid. Enzymes present in the pineapple, bromelain, is actually the enzyme which actually does all of the work for us. It does dissolves the burned dead tissue and stops at healthy tissue. Within four hours, it completely dissolves the dead tissue. And it's very selective, so it leaves the normal tissue alive. Patients can have this done and not require any surgical intervention. The treatment came to Stony Brook by way of Israel, where Dr. Singer trained 30 years ago. He recently completed a study on its effectiveness. This has completely revolutionized the way we take care of burns. In a matter of months, Garrison will begin to see actual skin and hair, instead of enduring months of surgery and painful skin grafts. To a burn surgeon, this is fantastic. I mean, this is you're showing signs of healing, growth of new skin and new tissue. His scars are expected to look as good, if not better, than skin grafting. Carolyn Gussoff, CBS News, Setauket, New York. Coming up in the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keyes segment, Children and Hunger. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Key segment, where every week we discuss issues including income inequality. This time we're talking about child hunger as people gather for the holidays. Recent government data shows that the number of kids facing food insecurity has skyrocketed and that 18.5% live in food insecure households. We asked Elliot Gaskins at the nonprofit Share Our Strength just how bad it is out there. The numbers are particularly startling because, uh, Allison, prior to the pandemic, uh, we had made tremendous progress. Hunger had dropped to the lowest level it had in decades uh, due to our work and a lot of our partners. Uh, but since then, 
uh, that progress uh, have been we've been set back. So with the latest USDA data stating that one in five kids are now living with hunger, that skyrocketed even over a short year ago. Um, but the No Kid Hungry campaign is about ensuring that these kids have enough to eat for sure. So when you talk about food insecure households, I think a lot of people don't know what that means. Are we talking people don't have anything to eat at all or they're just having maybe one meal a day or less? It simply means that, yeah, at any given moment um, of, of the day or of the week that they don't have reliable access. So they might have access to lunch and maybe not dinner. They just uh, do not have reliable access and can't depend on for sure having three meals a day. Um, and as you might imagine, the mental stress and strain that that is providing and giving to families is a tough thing to go through. Um, there are so many parents right now, you know, uh, sacrificing for their children, making tough decisions about whether do I get gas or pay the electric bill or do I buy groceries, uh, significant challenges for families in this moment. And although there is evidence that inflation is ebbing to a degree, the high cost and high price of things are still uh, at extraordinary rates. And so these tough decisions are causing families, you know, to have that instability where they're not sure if they can provide those three healthy meals a day to their children. What kind of households are suffering most with this issue? Sure. Uh, you know, unfortunately, like many of the issues uh, in our country, um, some communities are disproportionately impacted by food insecurity. So make no mistakes about it. Food insecurity affects all racial and ethnic groups in this country, but it remains substantially higher than the national average for Black households for children and Hispanic households for children. In addition to that, uh, in rural communities where there are all kinds of challenges in making sure that families have access to food, uh, some rural communities are disproportionately impacted. And so a lot of our efforts are elevated in this community, in these communities, because we want to make sure that where the need is greatest, we're providing uh, as much support uh, as we can. And food insecurity isn't the only challenge that households in the nation are facing. What what else are you seeing out there? Yeah, you know, if a child or family is facing food insecurity, they are facing a multitude of challenges. And so that can include uh, unstable housing situations uh, that can even include unsafe communities. Um, and this presents so many other issues. You know, uh, you know, if there was one thing that I would leave your audience with is that f feeding a child fulfills the need of hunger, but it does so much more than that. It unlocks promise. It unlocks potential. I know as a child, when I got the food that I needed, uh, I was much more ready to raise my hand and get engaged in class. And so I became a good student. And that unlocked a whole life of promise and opportunity for me that completely transformed my life. And so now I have three kids today whose lives are 1000% different than the life that I had. And so this work and feeding a kid is about making a generational impact. And although a kid can be facing a multitude of challenges in their life, we know that if we can feed them, that takes away uh, one of the most uh, extraordinary burdens that a child can face uh, uh, in America today. Talk to me about what is possible to help solve this problem. Are we talking Capitol Hill or is it something deeper than that? 
You know, Capitol Hill is a huge part of it. Um, a big part of why food insecurity was reduced, particularly over the course of the pandemic, was because there was uh, expanded things like SNAP benefits. There were things like the child tax credit, which was providing real tangible dollars into the pocketbooks of families. And so they were able, despite all that was going on with the pandemic, they had increased funds in their pockets. But a lot of those programs were laid, let to expire. And so we need to get in front of and, and, and talk to our legislators and political leaders. Uh, these programs are important. Lasting change in this country can happen through legislation. We have seen ourselves with the investment that we're making at Share Our Strength to enroll families in SNAP for, just to give you a very brief example, last year we made an investment of $2.5 million to enroll more families into SNAP. Because of that, more than 52,000 families now are able to, additional families are now able to access SNAP and WIC. What that means on a very real level is that they'll be drawing down more than $86 million annually uh, and benefits. And so SNAP is one of the most effective ways to mitigate hunger in this country. And so certainly um, legislation, getting in front of our legislators is a huge way uh, that we can impact this crisis and, and change in this country. We are speaking during the holiday season where a lot of people who have the wherewithal to do so are trying to do something to help. Tell me about your No Kid Hungry program and what people can do both through you and perhaps through food banks and other organizations in their neighborhoods. Sure, so a, a huge part of our work, in addition to helping provide school and community meals, we do a lot of grants uh, in communities to help uh, uh, communities find more resources from things like delivery trucks to refrigerators to carts and coolers. Um, to give you a very specific example, last year, uh, No Kid Hungry grantees served more than 504 million meals to kids and families. We advocated for policy change. So when you support No Kid Hungry and when you support the Share Our Strength and our No Kid Hungry campaign, you are helping us uh, achieve success in, in reaching more kids and families across the country. And so financial support and investment is a huge part of how uh, individuals can support. I already mentioned, you know, one piece of that, and in addition to that, is get in front of your legislators, whether that is letter writing, whether that is uh, visits to your local and, and federal legislators, make your voice heard. Um, part of the challenge is that there are so many intractable challenges in our world right now, and it could seem just overwhelming, whether that is the terrible tragedy uh, in the Middle East, uh, the war in Ukraine, climate change, national disasters. I was just reading about a horrible tragedy in Liberia. There are so many things that we can't wrap our minds around, but hunger is something that we can solve. We are the most prosperous country in the world. There is no reason uh, that nearly 13 million kids are facing food insecurity. And so uh, we are asking Americans for their financial support and investment. We are asking uh, Americans to get in front of their legislators. And we are asking Americans to spread the word about how profound childhood hunger is in this country. Um, sometimes, you know, in many cases, we call childhood hunger a hidden crisis because if you don't 
Uh, if you don't live in a community where you see hunger, if your child is not in the school where you don't see hunger, you may think that it does not exist. But this issue is real. And so we need more people to know and be aware of how profound this challenge is and what it will mean for the long term uh, prosperity of our society in general. That's Elliot Gaskins at the nonprofit Share Our Strength. Coming up, a tribute to a beloved colleague. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. We're taking a look back at some of the biggest headlines from 2023. Even though the entertainment world ground to a halt for several months due to strikes, CBS's Donya Backus reports it was still a busy year. Michelle Yeoh became the first Asian to win Best Actress at the Academy Awards. Her film, Everything Everywhere All at Once, dominated the Oscars with seven awards, including Best Picture. Hi, Barbie! Hi, Ken. Barbie ruled the box office. The film about the iconic doll was the highest grossing movie of 2023, raking in more than a billion dollars worldwide. Barbie and the film Oppenheimer about the creation of the nuclear bomb opened simultaneously, prompting theaters to show that you as Barbenheimer, a double feature. The idea first blew up the internet with memes. I'm James Corden for the last time. This... This is the Late Late Show! James Corden bid farewell to late night TV, leaving his Late Late Show with James Corden to pursue other opportunities, wrapping up an eight-year run on CBS. Beyonce made history at the Grammys, snagging nine awards for her album Renaissance, bringing her career-long total to 32 Grammys, the most of any female artist. Hi, I'm the problem, it's me. Taylor Swift's Eras Tour played to sold-out arenas across the U.S. and even made the earth move. Seismologists in Seattle say fans at Swift's concerts at Lumen Field made the ground shake. The Time Person of the Year for 2023 also created a frenzy at the theaters with her concert movie. I don't know what to think about us. I'm a rock star. Dolly Parton became a rock star with her album of collaborations with rock and roll musicians. She also set three new world records, including the female artist with the longest span of number one hits on the Top Country Albums chart, 43 years. The Rolling Stones released Hackney Diamonds, their first new album in 18 years. The final curtain dropped for Phantom of the Opera after 14,000 performances spanning 35 years on Broadway. There were also controversies. Lizzo was sued for sexual harassment by some of her former backup dancers. In the music video for Jason Aldean's Try That in a Small Town was pulled from CMT and labeled by some as being pro-violence and pro-gun. Tony Bennett died at the age of 96, just two weeks short of his birthday. Soulful diva Tina Turner died. And actor Paul Rubens, who was best known for his character Pee Wee Herman, passed away after a battle with cancer. He was 70. Those are some of this year's top entertainment stories. Donya Backus, CBS News. Many other bright lights went out this past year.
Reporters called First Lady Rosalind Carter the Steel Magnolia. She's remembered as a humanitarian leader. Carter Center CEO Paige Alexander. President Carter described her as the perfect extension of myself. Controversial statesman Henry Kissinger, who influenced U.S. foreign policy for decades, died at 100. He replied when asked by reporters if he wanted to be called Mr. Secretary or Dr. Secretary. I don't stand on protocol. If you'll just call me Excellency, we'll be getting... Sandra Day O'Connor said being the first woman appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court had a ripple effect of making opportunities become available for women. The 70s were for writer-producer Norman Lear, the king of sitcoms died at 101. We said goodbye to actor, singer, and civil rights activist Harry Belafonte. Jimmy Buffett spent decades in Margaritaville. In politics, trailblazing Senator Dianne Feinstein died, as did CBN founder Pat Robertson. Winning college basketball coach Bobby Knight kept it lively. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Leaving the gridiron, Jim Brown and Dick Buckus. In 2023, we lost Suzanne Summers, Raquel Welch, and a friend. Matthew Perry was 54. Jennifer Kuyper, CBS News. Finally, a tribute to a fallen colleague. The legendary radio anchor Tom Foti died this week at the age of 77. CBS News correspondent Peter King has a remembrance. Tom Foti had been a mainstay for CBS News Radio since 1998. I'm Tom Foti, and the fallout from his huge election falsehood defamation lawsuit... And in a sad kind of way, Tom's childhood prepared him for a career in journalism. His family's home in Budapest was leveled in the middle of the 1956 Hungarian Revolution. The Fotis escaped first to Austria, then to the U.S. and New York City. That's where Tom grew up, literally, and in college and in the radio news world at legendary stations like WOR and 1010 Winds. Washington came calling and Tom went to work for UPI, a proving ground for many CBS journalists, including Walter Cronkite. He ran the Washington Bureau. He was the network's executive editor. He was also on the air. This is Tom Foti. Cyrus Vance, Jimmy Carter's Secretary of State for three and a half years. That's what he sounded like back then, the early 80s. He covered everything from government affairs to international news. Tom also parachuted into stories like the People's Temple mass suicide in Guyana and Three Mile Island nuclear disaster. His resume filled out nicely at UPI, WTOP Radio, NBC Radio, and Unistar. I know I'm forgetting something. And then he joined CBS in 1998. From Maine to Minnesota, more communities are adding Native American translation to road signs and buildings. He did a bit of everything here, what I like to call being a super utility player. Need an anchor shift filled? He was there. Watch and report the Sunday talk shows? No problem, even after working all night long. Fill a reporting shift? What time do you need me? And so on. He was the consummate team player, always answering the call. Tom was 77 when he died, an age when most of us are long retired. But he recently told a friend, Randy West, that he wanted to stick around through the Trump era as it would bookend a career that started with Richard Nixon in Watergate. He was a radio guy who knew how to write for the medium and loved it. Yes, we know about Mega Millions and Powerball and hear about those mind-blowing prizes and the equally mind-blowing chances of winning them. But how about El Gordo? That means the fat one in Spain. The reason for that name, it is supposed to be the world's richest lottery, even if it does not work like the biggies here. Tom's been called a great guy, a truly funny human being, and he truly was. He loved technology. He built a radio studio at home, partly so he could take care of his elderly mother while he was working, among other things. 
He was one of the original work-from-home guys long before COVID. Our first clue that something was wrong came when he didn't sign in for his shift on Monday night, Christmas night. Totally unlike him, and sadly, our worst fears were realized on Tuesday. Tom's death leaves a huge hole in our hearts here at CBS News. To say we'll miss him, well, that's about as big an understatement as anybody could make. So one last time. Tom Fody, CBS News. That's it for the Weekend Roundup. Thanks for listening. We want to get your feedback. Send us your thoughts and story ideas to weekendroundup at cbsnews.com. As always, you can find the program online on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Sarah Fishman is the technical supervisor at Alan Peng provides production assistance. Tara Lipinski is the executive producer. Have a great week and Happy New Year. I'm Allison Keyes, CBS News. If you like CBS News Roundup, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.